Good deals. Good deals. Called to serve. Why matches, purpose, and passion matter. That's what we're talking about. Here's the deal about a match. The purpose of a match is what? To start a fire. For a match to fulfill its purpose, though, what has to happen? It needs to be lit, right? That for a match to fulfill its purpose of starting a fire, it has to be lit. If it doesn't do that, it's not fulfilling its purpose. The purpose is a fire. So you can have newspaper, you can put it in a fire pit, you can get some just fresh made kindling. I'm pretty proud of my kindling. Look at, look at the shape. You, there's thin parts, there's thicker parts. This stuff is going to blaze and set ablaze. You can have the newspaper, the kindling. You have a match. You're, you got the potential for a fire, but if the match doesn't get lit, there's no fire. You can have sticks. These are pine, dead pine. This is, I don't think it's going to hit the ceiling, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Logs, got the logs. Put those on, the newspaper, the kindling, the sticks. You got all the potential for a fire. You got a match. It's the match's purpose to start that fire, but it has to get lit. If you're like me, right? If you're anything like me, you just need a little accelerator, Holy Spirit, maybe, maybe something like that. And then suddenly the potential of a match. Do I have your attention? We're looking for youth leaders right now. Raise, raise your hand if you think I should light this because you are a youth leader. Just playing. Just playing. It's water. I forgot to tell Christy during the first service that Dad was doing all that. She handled it. She is cool. She handled it so cool. It was crazy. But the match has to get lit for the fire to start. If you're looking for a match at home, where do you look? That's, you know, it's crazy how cross-cultural that reality is. You find matches in junk drawers, but they're unlit. They're, they're just in a junk drawer. They're not fulfilling their purpose. Today, we're talking about following Christ and a Christ follower. And what's scary is take out match and put in Christ follower, and it is alarmingly piercing to my soul. The purpose of a Christ follower is to start a fire. That's what it's all about. That's what this whole series of Acts is all about through people who follow Christ as they gather, as they become the church. The whole point of it is for a wildfire to start, for a fire to spread that's of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven coming down through the gospel, being spread, the church, more Christ followers set on fire to set ablaze. The purpose of a Christ follower is to start a fire but if a Christ follower isn't lit, where does a Christ follower go? Probably to church. Probably you could just go to church and be in a junk drawer 
and just be waiting for something. You could have newspaper, maybe like weekly attend. Like that's, that's a good thing to do if you're a religious Christ follower. Add some kindling, maybe like give a little. Have some money in your pocket, offering goes by, just give a little. You're attending, you're giving. Is that what Christ following is about? Get, join a life group, add some sticks, serve a little bit, put some log on the fire. I don't know if lighter fluid, anyone got a tie-in for our lighter fluid? You know, say the right things. You're in the right motions. But if a Christ follower doesn't get lit, there's no fire. And you end up in a junk drawer. And that's probably a church. And that would be horrible. A Christ follower, and as Christ followers, we get lit when we find our purpose, our passion, and calling. That is all we are talking about. You have to get lit. We are purposed for the fire. The church, we're Acts 29. There's not one in the Bible. It's supposed to be our lives as we continue to set ourselves on fire, be a church that is on fire, that is spreading the kingdom, that's manifesting the kingdom, making more disciples, other lives who are being lit to start the same fire and further it so that this neighborhood would be set ablaze, right? Isn't that our vision? Isn't that what this is all about? As a Christ follower, we have to be lit or we're going to end up in a junk drawer, living a purposeless life for the kingdom, maybe struggling, maybe living hard, pressing, living fast, but for nothing in the end. Today we're continuing the series in Acts 22, verses 1 through 21. We're picking up on Paul's story. If you've been here the last couple weeks, you know that Paul is in a jam. There's a people group that's after him. He's in the midst of this jam. He's in Jerusalem. But what he does in this moment is he goes back to his story. He actually goes back and starts talking about what we learned in Acts 9 about his conversion story of finding Christ, finding his purpose, finding his passion, and what he was put on this earth to do. How the church started, how the church spread, is our lives becoming lit that start the fire. It was Peter first, right? Book of Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit gives him the courage and the boldness to be struck and set ablaze. The Acts 2 church comes, that spreads. It's the wildfire. This is what, how God has always done it. This is what Jesus was on earth to do was to get this all started. And today we're tracking with Paul and his story through it. Acts 22, verses 1 and 2, read like this. Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. These are haters. They're trying to kill Paul. He's super intentional here. He uses brother and father. Do you address your enemies as family? Wait, don't answer that too fast. That might be more related, but he's building some bridges. Brothers and fathers, hold everything. Hang on a second. He uses Aramaic to show that he's of their culture. What he's doing is creating connection with the audience that's trying to kill him. <clears throat> and he's starting to introduce like his pedigree, his resume to build that bridge with them. 
It goes on, Paul said, I am a Jew. I'm born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, Jerusalem. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous as God, uh, for God as you today. I persecuted the followers of his way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison as the high priest and all the council can themselves testify. I even obtained letters from them and their ancestors in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. Here's what's going on. Paul is giving his pedigree in his resume to build a bridge with the haters. He's telling his before Christ story, though, before he knew Christ, and he's telling and giving kind of his accolades that help him identify with this group that's trying to kill him. And if you read through all the pedigree and all the resume that he's giving, what he's actually doing is telling his socially constructed story. That's pretty deep. Say to someone sitting next to you, this is a socially constructed story that Paul is sharing. Yeah, there's a lot here. Paul is pointing out many social, cultural, educational, political, and religious dividing lines and where he sat on them. He's not just telling of like this personal what he was after in his world and why he has an inner need and what that inner need is. He's talking about the, the impact of his life, what he was a part of, how, it, how his life was structured. That's a big thing for us at City Life. If, if we're just into the personal salvation and personal gospel, City Life is not maybe necessarily the church for you. It's that and like the, the social impact of following Christ. Do our lives matter to the, to the people around us? Do we, do we stay in the kingdom of this world and how it devi- defines us socially and politically and religiously? Or isn't that what we're giving up to be in the kingdom? The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of this world and of this culture. Everything he's saying, his education, where he's from, the people, their, the social group, his ethnicity and stuff that he's doing to kind of try to save his butt, to you know, grab a minute so he can get to the Christ story. But he's using that and he knows that part of his story. Do you, do you know that part of your story? Do you know like the social construction of your life? the privilege and advantage that you have depending on where you're from and what you're for and who you identify with, that kind of stuff. That, that's, a, that's a big stuff. That's the source of hate. Those are the dividing lines of hate depending on which side of those you sit on. That's why they want to kill him. They hate him because he's standing for something different. And he was one of them, but he's, he's the one turning their whole world upside down now. Paul is telling his before Christ story what he was like and about this kingdom in this world and he was like creating this edge within it. How about like us? What's our pedigree? What do you lean into? Is it where you're from? Is it your ethnicity? Is it your family? Is it your education? Again, disadvantaged, advantaged, all those things considered in that mix. Paul knew this well and Paul did this regularly. Philippians 3, 4, and 6 is him identifying with kind of this kingdom of the world. 
man, if some of you think you have done it, this is Paul, if someone else thinks like they, they have reasons to put confidence in this world and the culture and the things to chase after and the social norms and sitting in your pocket while some get oppressed and marginalized because of who you are and how you've gone about your life. And these, and religiously, again, these were religious people trying to kill them. You think you had all that? I've got more. Circumcised on the eighth day. That's the day to get circumcised. Of the people of Israel. That's the people to be. Of the tribe of Benjamin. That's the tribe to be. The Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, I'm a Pharisee. He knew it all. He knew how to play that game. He was a master of it. As for zeal, persecuting the church, he led the way. As for righteousness based on the law, he was faultless. And he's saying, man, all this stuff about the kingdom of this world and its ways in our culture, again, a lot of it is individualism, materialism, and um, consumerism. The more factor. I'm defined by what I own, and it defines me, and the most important thing is the next thing and how I feel when I get that, and it's kind of that individual me after it because that's all I got time for in the high chase if I'm going to get there fast, i got to go alone. It's going to break some relationships, but it's what we're living for. And that's that kind of personal inward, and we fight over those things. But again, the social, political, religious stories and divides that we sit on, that's like where hate is coming from. Andrea uh, said something Thursday morning. She was scrolling Facebook headlines and stuff. Here's an article. Um, why Americans hate one another so much. We do, and we do because of lines, and we do because of where we sit on those lines. And as long as we're on this side of the kingdom and the culture of this world, that's all we got. F yeah, figure it out. Become the best at it because it's all you got. That's not what Jesus is about. That's not what the fire is all about. That's not what the kingdom of God and what we were created for and to do is all about. verses 6 through 10 moving on then so before christ here comes an encounter with christ about noon as i came near damascus suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me i fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me saul saul why do you persecute me who are you lord i asked i am jesus of nazareth whom you are per uh, persecuting he replied my companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. He said, get up and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. Say, all that you have been assigned to do. A purpose, specific. Paul encounters Jesus and says, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you living like this and for these things? This is not what you are made for. This is ruining you and this is ruining the world. It's supposed to be like heaven on earth. It's supposed to be looking more like that versus more divides and more hate. Move to the other side. This is Paul encountering Christ. And this is what happened. Jesus confronted Paul about like, what he was doing with his life. Just that like, question, what, what, what are you doing? Why are you living like that? And he told Paul to get up and to go. 
That's a pattern, the get up and go. You can't stay where you're at and just change a little thing. You've got to get up and go. You've got to re-see, re-picture your life very differently or you'll be in a junk drawer. You'll just stay in there. You may not want to be, but you, you stay there unless you get up and you get out. Religious church patterns with glitter to make it feel real. It's not real. Get up and go. There's a purpose for you. How about you in your encounter with Christ and your encounters? This is actually Paul's conversion. So he's finding Christ for the first time. But notice it's not just a personal salvation that he's trying to set up for Paul. It's personal salvation in his whole life and a purpose for it. A mission of why get up, you know, why get up the next day? Why, why should I keep living? Jesus answers that question. He gives us like the purpose and the mission. Gives us passion. So much of Paul's remembering his story before Christ, so much passion comes from the hate. The hate he felt and had within him. The hate that he was experiencing. So much passion once he swung to the other side. And now that he has a purpose coming alongside that passion, it's all like coming together. It's forming. We, we, we've got to go, be able to go back there in our story and remember we didn't just get saved from hell so when we die we go to heaven. Eternal life starts now. We're, we're living that now with purpose and mission for the kingdom, the missio day, the miss, mission of God that we would be living that out. The fire has to spread. It's up to us. Right? Our, our stories of encountering Christ that maybe that first time, but all the others. Lots of them, right? Don't we live for that? Encounters with Christ to hear Him? This is a pattern of Him. Uh, Matthew 4.19, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you fishers of people. Again, this is Jesus talking to the disciples, calling them. Funny, they're already Christ followers, but I wonder if Jesus is like, you're in a junk drawer. Come on. You know me, but you're not following me. You, won't, you don't know how big the picture is that I have for you. You're living small. You're curious. You're following John the Baptist then is who the, you know, the, uh, Peter especially, but the other disciples were following him. They hear of Jesus. They know, start to become curious. And they have, again, an encounter with Jesus where, they, where he calls them to more, to purpose. Work that they're assigned to do. What that's going to look like. Our encounters with Christ and remembering our story, which is really important, we, that has to be a part of it. Do you remember how your life has been repurposed in those moments? Again, mountaintop, because it just was good and God overwhelmed you and he, he told you about some dreams he had for you and some things you could do. They were your ideas. And they lit you up. You couldn't explain how you were feeling. I had that um, when I was a high school teacher going into youth ministry. I was a part of a church and involved and was looking at possibly doing youth ministry. And it was kind of a window of time like this. And they had me do something like the shape test that we're going to talk about. And when I got the results of that, I wasn't like in the gutter, down, you know, this kind of thing. It was like I was up, I was seeking God and this kind of stuff. This encounter with Jesus that I happened in was so overwhelming, I can't even tell you. I was like walking around my, my house in Marshall, Michigan, and I was like weak-legged. You know what weak-legged looks like when you're walking around? You're like, whoa, 
whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa, here's my bed. What are you doing, God? What are you calling me to? And what I had filled out were, was this like paragraph and you're inserting words from lists and doing all these activities. But it was um, to lead, encourage, and inspire. Those were the words I ended up circling and then put in these blanks. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, that's something in my purpose or some way that I made that those things are something I can do that I could lead, encourage, and inspire. And then the next little section was like, um, people, <laughs> like, I guess not goats. That was good that it was like people. I do. I love people. That's perfect. Lead, encur uh, lead encourage, inspire people. And then some more work, some more work. It was God's word was coming alive in me at that time just because of being in some discipleship relationships. So I'm like, what is this? What is this? Lead, encourage, inspire people in God's word. And then the next thing is like, what's it all for? Like to love God and to love people. Holy smokes. And I'm like, at my house, it's the middle of the afternoon. I try and remember why was I home then and I was teaching, so maybe it was summer break or something like that. But I was home, and it was this lead, encourage, inspire people in God's word to know God, to love God, and to love people. Like, I've not been the same since. And I love revisiting that story because it, it inspires me from a mountaintop because I encountered Jesus. And it, he, he was, again, I was already following Christ, probably from a junk drawer. But man, got lit then for sure verses 11 through 16 my companions led me by the hand into damascus because of the brilliance of the light uh, had blinded me a man named ananias came to see me he was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the jews living there he stood beside me and said brother saul receive your sight and at that very moment, I was able to see him. And then he said to me, not Jesus, but another voice of influence into Paul that was speaking something into him. That happens. Who gave me that like little packet to do back in that day when I got lit by Jesus? You know, in that moment, there was someone speaking into my life about some things they saw that could be. And if I felt them, that they were probably from God and I should go after it. I should make that everything. And then he said, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will. Say, know his will. To see the righteous one. Say, see the righteous one. And to hear the words of his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now what are you waiting for? Jesus says to him, get up. Again, it's another call. Don't stay where you're at. You will stay the same with deeper, weirder things going on you because you're supposed to respond, but you're going to you know, stay small. No, get up and go. Be baptized. Wash your sin away, calling on his name. This is what's going on. Paul encounters Ananias. Again, another voice. One encounter with Jesus, an encounter with somebody sent by Jesus to speak into him. And this is what Ananias helps Paul see. And he tells him that the purpose and the passion God has for him, these four things, to know God's will, to see Jesus, to hear his words, and to let his life speak. That's what's in that passage right there. That's it. 
Paul, here's your purpose and your passion all coming together to know God's will, to see Jesus, to hear his words, and then let your life speak where you are at and where I call you to go. Let that happen. That's the same for us. How about you? Do you know that? Did you, did you know that? I didn't know that. And I, I was doing the church thing. I was a Christ follower. I didn't know that I could be that alive in him and that there was something that alive in me that if that spoke and if I learned that and realized that, that I could stake my whole life on that. Like Paul, every one of us should daily know our God-given purpose and passion is to seek God's will, to seek, to see Jesus, seek to hear his words, and let our life speak. That's what makes tomorrow worth getting up. We got a shot at that. Knowing God's will, seeing Jesus, hearing his words, coming alive in all of that, and then letting our life speak. In the closest three-foot circle proximity of our marriages and homes and families and tightest circles, to every single ring, to all the ends of the earth, wherever we go, our life speaking. Jesus said this in Matthew 17, verses 3 and 4. Now this is eternal life. This is everything. Eternal life is everything we want in our after. That's when we find the life that we were created for is eternal life. Here it is, that they would know you. And this is Jesus talking to the Father. To know the Father in his will, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Know me, the king of the kingdom that you were created for. Know my son, Jesus. See him in everything. Listen for his voice. He speaks. He talks to us. Listen and let the life you lead speak from that. Verse 4, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you have me to do. Glory. Definition of glory that I made up that's true. But I just, you're going to be like, that is not in a dictionary. But glory is like the, the knownness of God. Knowing, there's like, I, knowing him and then making him known. And it's like that. And that's what Jesus said he did. I've, I've known you, I've been after you, and your will for me, and your assignment for me. And I've been overflowing that and making you known through that. To know God and make him known. That purpose, have you heard that before? I, there was a time I had not heard it. Once I heard it, I assumed everyone's heard that. That's not the case. Lauren Cunningham, the founder of YWAM, is who I heard it from. Jesus said it first, technically, just there. But, like, that's it. Know him and make him known. Before the feet hit the floor in the morning, that's what's, that's what's got to happen today. Know him more, make him more known. Let your life speak like that. Verse 17 through 21 then. This is going to be another encounter with Jesus then. So Jesus, Ananias, Jesus, his story before, passion, some purpose, some passion, some purpose. Calling is all what has taken place here. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and I saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately. Because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and to beat those who believe in you. 
And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were actually killing him. This is like Jesus saying it and Paul like, yeah, I know, it was horrible. But what I want to do for you, where I want to go for you, and Jesus tells him what that's going to look like. Then he said, go, I will send you far away to all the Gentiles. You will be the voice to the Gentiles. Paul encounters Jesus again and receives this specific direction unique to his story. Yes, it's know God. Yes, it's see Jesus. Yes, it's hear his word and let your left speak. But you're going to go to the Gentiles, people not like you. The people that you've spent your life before me defining and trying to be like and trying to be the best of, that's not even relevant anymore because you're going to go to the, the people they hate, technically. And the lines that were drawn are meant to keep out. This is Paul, and you can see his passion. This is the second part of the Philippians verse I shared just a minute ago where Paul was giving his pedigree That was his before Christ. Then he finds Christ, and this is now how he sees his life. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteous, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation of his sufferings becoming like him in his death. I only want to be in this space. I want every ounce of me, every bit of my life to be for you and your kingdom. And so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead, dead life, lit life, on fire. John 4, 34, Jesus says the same thing. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me. That's crazy. And to finish his work. Jesus' last words, it's finished on the cross. That's not like, Oh, my life's over. No, the work that the Father had for him was completed exactly to his death on the cross. Crazy. Paul knew his story. Paul discovered his purpose and his passion and his calling through Christ, an encounter with Christ, another voice speaking into his life, and then, in some sense, studying Paul's life, continued encounters of telling that story and the, the, the building and the spreading of the fire. How about us? How can we apply this so that we don't stay in the junk drawer, that we, we elevate our lives? Four things of application. Number one is get in God's word and elevate your prayer life. You've got to do that. That's how, you, that's how we know God. That's how we know his will. That's how we start to see Jesus in everything. We see him in his word, and then we pick our head up out of the word, and we can see him in this world, and we would know where he would be among the broken and the poor and the hurting. 
across the dividing lines of our culture and our social construction and religious ways that we've just defined everything so perfect for the advantage and the privilege that's oppressing the ones Jesus is really after through word and prayer and that looking different than maybe it has before in your life. More time with it, with others in it. Creating mountaintops to go, to go high when it's good and hear from God about those things he spoke to you in just mountaintop moments. I'm trying to go back to a valley and just remembering and what was spoken to you then and what was wrong then with how you were living and what you were living for and how that can be passion for what God is calling you into. So word and prayer. Number two, revisit that story and your encounters with, uh, of crisis. Again, you don't light a match without a strike, which is an abrasive piece of paper that creates the spark and some bad odors. Have you ever smelt what you just lit? Wow. That's got to be a part of the story. You revisit that stuff to discover purpose and passion and calling. There should be lots of moments. There's you know, cool discipleship things to do, life mapping. When were the highs and when were the lows and what was Jesus saying there? What were his words? What did he speak? Do that. Spend time doing that. Do that with others. Number three, complete the freeshapetest.com. Best way I can describe that is that's kind of what I did when I got that calling of lead and encourage and inspire people with God's word to love God and love people. It was an experience and a tool much like this um, shapetest.com. You can take that free you put in your information, it asks you to put like my email in so I get those results so that we can have a conversation or Pastor Christie, other leaders around here can then walk with you into that. Shape is spiritual gifts, your heart and passion, your abilities, your personality and experiences and just packages those in this way of just being able to hear from God. Number four, respond to the unique serving opportunities and the Call to Serve program. That, that's a real deal. Those aren't just like volunteer roles of like, eh, a wet match could do that. No, these are, these are the, you gotta, the gifts and the calling and passion to do those things. Check that out. And then lastly, man, don't be an unlit match. Don't turn this place into a junk drawer by not going after what God calls us into by being lit and then going to start the fire that God is calling us to be.